experimenting a lot with ChatGPT. Really? So we've used it to write resumes, cover letters, LinkedIn, not like for our clients, but we've tested it to see what points it breaks. So when people go and use it themselves, then they know, okay, these are some of the things that we can avoid. But even if you're doing interview prep, you can ask it, hey, I'm applying for like a marketing director role. What are some of the questions I should prepare for? And it'll tell you. You can even dump the job description in there and it'll, it'll tell you based on that. We are also working on getting ChatGPT to tell you which career path you should pursue, where you tell it your interests and your strengths. And we're trying to like experiment with it to see like, again, what its points of failures are so people know what to avoid. And we'll be publishing a blog on that soon. We're still working on it. While most of you out there listening to our podcast are leaders at some level, you are also still employed, likely with hopes of future promotions or opportunities to expand your experience into another position and or within another organization. But to do so usually requires putting together a high-impact resume, establishing an effective LinkedIn profile, and, if you're one of the lucky few, going through the ulcer-causing interview process. However, if what I'm saying speaks to you or to one of your direct reports, have no fear, because today we have as our guest an expert on all of that, and we'll be speaking with her specifically about resumes and LinkedIn profiles. And with that, welcome to the Introspective Leader Podcast, where Rachel and I take a deep dive into the ideas and practices that will help you become a more effective and respected organizational leader. I am Stuart. And as a retired Army senior non-commissioned officer, a former hospital executive, and a management instructor, I have been leading and managing for almost 30 years and teaching it for over 15. Rachel is an Army officer and a healthcare practitioner. And while she is relatively new to the gig, she is one of the most talented young leaders I have come across. So thank you for joining us, and we will see you on the other side. Hello folks, Stuart here. Before we continue with today's episode, I wanted to inform you, our listener, that we now have an option through our podcast platform, Buzzsprout, that allows you, if you wish, to help support our show through a small monthly donation. Although there have been opportunities, we have chosen not to add external sponsors to our episodes because we would like to keep the experience as uninterrupted as possible. We chose instead to allow any of you who gain value from our content and want to see it continue to help us through this voluntary monthly donation. We have set up three donation tiers, with one of them earning you a free Introspective Leader Podcast t-shirt and have included the link to the donation page in the show notes for each episode. To be clear, these donations are currently our only form of monetization and every cent we earn goes towards the cost of running the podcast. That's it. Thank you, and back to the show. Once again, hello everyone. I'm Stuart, and I am flying solo today. Today's guest is an expert on resumes, LinkedIn, the interview process, and many other components of the hiring and career progression process. And as stated in the episode introduction, today I will be picking her brain about resumes and LinkedIn, and we'll have her on a future episode to discuss the interview process. 
Fatima Mirza is a certified resume master who has been helping job seekers with their resumes for the past 13 years. In 2010, she founded Career Tuners, through which she and other experts help ambitious job seekers find, apply for, and get higher paying, more fulfilling jobs. Additionally, through her website and social media profiles, Fatima provides numerous free resources on resume writing, LinkedIn, salary negotiation, and interviewing. For instance, to date, her resume cheat sheet has been downloaded over 150,000 times. Yes, 150,000 times. Fatima, we are excited to have you with us and welcome to the Introspective Leader Podcast, where, as we like to say, the complexities of leadership are met with an equal complexity of thought. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for that warm intro. Well, you're welcome. Uh, I try to get the intro right. The rest of the podcast, I may be stuttering and stammering going through it, but I at least try to get that initial part a little <laughs> bit polished and everything. So, so that that's my main goal for uh, each episode. But I am very happy to have you here. Unfortunately, Rachel couldn't be with us today. She had something to come up, but I think we're going to have a great conversation. And I think in our correspondence and we, back and forth, I told you, this is something I think I did. This is something that's always interested me. Mm-hmm. And in my previous positions as a hospital executive and doing, uh, being sort of a go, go between on HR stuff, this was something I was involved with, with resumes and also with people that were wanting to apply to our organization because we were a government organization. Mm-hmm. So I, if you've ever dealt with people applying for a government, it's just a totally different type of nightmare and even trying to make the list. So this is something that has always interested me for my personal sake, also dealing with individuals as part of my job. So thank you for being here. I think this is going to be beneficial, not only for our listeners, which is the major thing, but I say for me also. Of course, it's a pleasure. So before we get into the specific questions, do you mind sharing with our listeners the journey that led you to what you have made your professional focus? Oh, oh, and before you begin, I have to say how much I like your company's name, Career Tuners. That has a real catch to it. Thank uh, you. Starting my own company, I, I, I'm more attuned to everybody else's company because I want, you always have this deep fear you didn't get it right, you know? Right, right. <laughs> but I, I, I really like, your, uh, I like your, the name of your company. But go Thank ahead, Fatima. Sorry. Thank you so much. I started Career Tuners basically helping a few friends of mine with their materials. And it just snowballed from there with word of mouth and me posting what I felt was, you know, best practices on social media. It just started getting a lot of traction. I started getting a lot of followers and demand. And soon this is what I was doing full time. Do you mind if I ask what you were doing before that? Uh, yeah, I was actually working at a scholarly journal uh, near UCLA. So that was a lot of fun. But I always kind of knew that I wanted to help people communicate their brand better. It's something that I had been doing on and off informally anyway. So once the opportunity presented itself to me that I could do something like this and I could touch a lot of people, I ran with it. And again, Going off script here a little bit, because it always interests me with people, how they go about starting their business. And there's always these hidden details in each type of business model, the 
the rest of us are not aware. And of course, mm-hmm. starting my own business, I, I figured that out as I went along. W- what was some of the things once you made this transition? Because it sounded like that was a, a pretty good, secure job working for the scholar. Mm-hmm. You said a, a journal? Uh, yeah. 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 And, and then going to something like this. So, so if you don't mind, like some of the, you know, not only the logistics part of it, but the preparations mm-hmm. you had to do and the changes you had to make. Uh, to to make this shift in your in your career because I mean we all know anyone that started their own business and started their own company it's a major major life change sure, and and, sure. and you know it's a good thing that we don't we don't realize how much we don't know getting into it because we probably mm-hmm. wouldn't do it if we didn't <laughs> if we realized how little we actually knew about running a business but right. I, I'd like to hear your your perspective on that if you have anything. Yeah, I think primarily just keeping focused on clients and making sure that we're delighting them with not only our work, but like the free advice that we put out. That's been like key. And also really making sure that I'm hiring people that are smarter than me and giving them Uh, the creative space and energy to do their best. So I think that's been like the two key things. In terms of like logistics, making sure everything is like documented. So if anyone's new, you know, they can find everything they need easily. They have like the mentorship they need. Uh, So basic, basic stuff like that. And it, and if you don't mind sharing it, well, first of all, I, I was just, I personally uh, feel this way myself, but I was just listening to how I built this podcast, mm-hmm. you know, with Guy Raz. I think everybody mm-hmm. listens to that, right? And there, he had, a, I cannot remember the name of the guest. Uh, actually, yeah, he was the founder of Politico and mm-hmm. Ax, Axios, Axios, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, those two. He said exactly what you said. He said, if you hire ridiculous talent that is better in that particular area that you're hiring them, then you and pretty much anybody else you can find, you're going to be okay. Because he was there. A guy had asked him about, yeah, what, you know, media is starting a media company. The failure rate is ridiculous. It's very difficult. He said, I felt very confident because I had ridiculous talent. And Mm -hmm. he goes, if you got talent, that makes you a lot more confident, maybe than you necessarily should be, but right. that takes a lot of the fear out. So definitely, I definitely agree with that sentiment. And it's not just about hiring people that are smarter than you. I think what happens when you hire really smart people is they're they're smart and they're confident in a very specific way. And if you kind of mess with that and you don't let them succeed in the way that they're used to, they can falter and their confidence can take a hit. So getting out of their way and giving them everything they need to do what they need to do is is really, really important because people are very different. They have different working styles and being able to manage flexibly is so, so important. I'm so glad to hear you say that because uh, towards my later years as a senior leader and a senior manager, the junior managers, I would tell them, it doesn't have to be the way you did it because here's the problem, right? A lot of people who become leaders or managers or even business owners, they they usually have succeeded very well on an individual level, right? Usually, especially in an organization level, that's what, unfortunately, that's sometimes the only sole criteria, the reason they get promoted to, to a management right, position. Right. So then they get up there and so often you see a lot of them because they do excel in that technical area that mm-hmm. they tend to think, what I have seen, and and you can tell me what your experience has been. They often think if I excel doing it this way, this is the best way. And this is the the way it should be done, which we're not robots. We're all individuals. Mm -hmm. And uh, even though your way may be statistically, quantitatively speaking, the most 
efficient way, it mm-hmm. doesn't make it the best way for that other mm-hmm. person. Be- exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Okay, so moving on what you're on here for, and I know what our listeners want to hear. And I, I think the first one for you anyway, is probably going to be a bit of a softball question, but I have to ask it because I've asked myself in frustration many times when I was applying for position is submitting a cover letter along with your resume absolutely necessary. And if it is, please explain why. I would say it's not absolutely necessary. Like if you don't submit it, you're not going to get rejected, but a good cover letter can take an otherwise mediocre application and lift it. Like if all your resume is saying, Hey man, I just check off the boxes, but your cover letter has something that really shows your passion and soft skills, then it can elevate you above even like the person with the best resume. So my fear, and I agree, and I'm a, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty decent writer. Uh, mm-hmm. so, and I can imagine the fear that people have, and I've read cover letters by people that should have had someone like you mm-hmm. help them with their cover letter, because I'll be quite frank. Some cover letters have cost people's interviews in my organizations right. uh, and my fear, even being a, a good writer, what I realize about writing is sometimes can, you know, I, I'm a bit of a colorful writer and I always have a fear it's going to be off-putting, right? Or that I'm just repeating stuff that was in the resume. Right. So right. I, I know it can take a while, but what 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 makes a good cover letter? You know, remembering that it is actually separate from the resume and you don't want to repeat what's on the resume too much. What makes a good cover letter? Well, what you said is very interesting. Like some people talk themselves out of an interview with their cover letter because they find that a lot of people use their cover letter to talk about things like employment gaps or, um, you know, the time that they were laid off and they're using it to be like, look, I know I have this blemish in my history and here's a little bit more information about that. And that backtracks because when you're a resume and a cover letter, you're just a piece of paper, right? Like you're not a fleshed out person and it's much harder to empathize with a piece of paper. So you always like that first impression, you have to lead with your strengths. And in the interview, like you can talk about whatever issues were preventing you from being your best self. But I, you know, I've read a lot of cover letters where they would go on about like, hey, I had to take this employment gap because my, you know, my spouse moved across the country. So I was unemployed for some time or whatever. And immediately what the what the person on the other side of the table is thinking, is this going to happen again? Are you a flight risk? Are you going to be distracted? Is something going to come up that's going to prevent you from working at your optimum? So instead of doing that, leading with your strengths is really important. And in your resume, you're going to be talking about kind of like the hard facts of what you did. In the cover letter, you can talk about some of the softer skills Like maybe you're exceptional at building relationships with vendors and maybe not many people know how to do that. So that can be something you talk about. You can talk about any other key skills that you have that you feel differentiate you from other candidates. Maybe you have like a dual degree, like if you're just starting out and that gives you like a unique perspective that can help you perform better. So focus, focus on your strengths and on the story behind some of the facts on your resume. I like that. And two things. So years ago, I committed that uh, cardinal sin that you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. I had had to leave a job that I just started. It was a promotion in uh, less than a year. I had a health issue. 
one of the jobs down the line, I put that in because one of the jobs I'd applied for actually got promoted for, mm-hmm. or I got, got hired for, they asked about that and it seemed to be a concern. So I said, well, I'll just cut that off in the past. I'll address it a little bit in the cover letter. So mm-hmm. you're saying that's, and I didn't even get interviewed for that. So it backs up with what you're saying. So what, what is that you, what you're saying then, I guess is, and I think you made a real good point it's a piece of paper to them at that point. They don't know who you are. They haven't looked mm-hmm. in your eyes. So they're just, and I'm, I'm saying these and you tell me if I'm summarizing what you said wrong, but basically to them, it can just come off as like you're making excuses or you're yeah, already and, a problem child or. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of slimy for us to say that. And like, it's like not very nice, but you know, it's very hard to, you know, when you're looking at a stack of like 47 resumes and you got to whittle them down to five, it's really hard to be like really thinking with that empathy. And it's illegal to discriminate against somebody because of a health issue. It's illegal to discriminate. Like I had a client who purchased my services because she had to take two years off because she was undergoing uh, cancer treatment. And it's illegal for anybody to discriminate against her in the workplace, but that's what was happening. And it's hard to prove that. Like, it's hard for us to be like, well, we, we're going to sue this company because, you know, there's discriminating. We know that's the facts, but, you know, in, in the court of law, you can't prove that with as much ease. And obviously it costs a lot of money. So what you need to do in those situations, again, is to lead with your strengths. And if there's anything at all, like if you have that kind of circumstance where you have a gap, if there's anything at all that you can do to fill that gap with something that shows two things. Like, so, so when someone sees a gap on a resume, they have two concerns. First is, are you a flight risk? Like, are you going to take off again? And the second is, are you unemployed because you left your previous job on bad terms and you've been unemployable? So you can mitigate those impressions by adding like one snippet of a recommendation from a, from your boss in, in your resume, like within the experience itself to show that you left on good terms And then you can fill that um, experience to show your skills did not deteriorate in that time. So you can talk about some of the things that you've done while volunteering, some of the continuing education you've undertaken, if you've done anything at home. Like even if, let's say you had a parent pass away or you're undergoing divorce, a lot of what you're doing is asset management. Yeah, you're taking time off for it, but it's a very specific skill where you're managing assets, you're figuring out what to do. And that's that's a big problem solving skill. And if you talk about it in a way that makes sense and shows that you have problem solving capabilities, you're able to think strategically, then that's that makes you employable versus saying like took three years off because I was depressed after my divorce. I mean, it that's that happens. And it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's there's no reason why someone like that should be discriminated against. I mean, logically speaking, yeah, okay, they had an issue, they were unemployed. Okay, now move on. You know, they're fine now. So, but that's not how people think. They no. are very skeptical. Yeah, and having been on on the other side many times as as a hiring authority myself, right. many times, hundreds and hundreds of them. I yeah, I can attest to everything you say as an yeah. absolute truth on my part. Because also, and here's the thing, to give even people benefit of the doubt, employers or hiring authorities, even if it's not consciously, mm-hmm. uh, you're not consciously trying to bias or, or weigh that against the, these things get in your head. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. and, and then what our brain does is our brain has taught us now, most people or most employers have gotten the message that it's not okay to discriminate because Fatima, you know, 
yeah, so they, well, I don't say divorce, that's bad omen, but say fuck them. I don't, <laughs> bad. So it's like, you know, uh, let me you make know, sure my husband's listening. No kidding. <laughs> Keep them in check. <laughs> you know, like that. So yeah, since I already brought it up, say so, yeah, Fatima said just what you said, you know, you, you got a divorce and you had to take a couple years off because of, 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 for your own health and for your child and all that kind of stuff. My brain as an employer should be now telling me in today's day and age that it's not okay to count that against Fatima. But right. what, what we're great at as humans is taking something like that and rationalizing, well, that's not why I'm not going to hire Fatima. That's why I'm not going to call her for an interview. It's because she doesn't have a four-year degree or because right. we want we someone. Pull with, something else. Right, yeah. 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 And, and I'm, I'm saying here that I, I am sure I have been guilty of it on a very unconscious level. I am sure I have. And, and I, I really like what you said about that. If, if you want to show that you left on good terms, plug in your supervisor and mm -hmm. you know that they would provide a recommendation on your resume. I I, I think mm -hmm. that's awesome because, again, having been on the other side many times, if I saw something like that, I go, oh, okay, yeah, L let me yeah. call this person because yeah, they're telling me yeah, it wasn't something bad. It wasn't because they got caught stealing stealing out of the till or anything like that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Okay, that was really helpful, and I know in the future to never put that little thing in there. Um, now I have a few more points oh, related please, to that please, actually. Please. It doesn't just have to be your boss. If you did leave on bad terms, let's say your boss sexually harassed you. That happens. You cannot get a recommendation from them. You can put something from a different manager. And you can pick a manager based on the field you want to go into. Like, let's say you're trying to transition uh, into a different field. Let's say you want to go from sales to marketing. A recommendation from a marketing manager in that case would look better than the sales manager, right? Or if you want to show that you have experience working with big companies and navigating those large bureaucracies, a recommendation from a from like a vendor, like an Amazon vendor or a cli the client to Amazon, that would look really impressive. You can say something like general manager, comma, operations, comma, Amazon, like that's in the job title of the recommendation. There's You can pick the recommendation based on the direction you want to go into. So think about like where those gaps are on your resume. Like what's giving people pause? Are people thinking like, mm, this person doesn't have the ability to work with small budgets or maybe they don't have the ability to work with large budgets. Maybe they don't have the requisite skills. So picking a recommendation that kind of speaks to that and that the job title speaks to that of the person recommending you, it can add a lot of weight. Yeah, that's really helpful. And and that's what makes it obvious because I've always believed in the value of uh, subject matter experts like yourself, mm -hmm. uh, and particularly in this field, in things such as resumes and cover letters and all the stuff. I, of course, I looked at your website for a good long time, all the services you provide, because mm -hmm. you combine your experience of seeing the similar stuff over, over and over uh, the talent you have for it, the passion you have for it, and that level of creativity that bit that is intertwined with that experience and that passion, mm -hmm. right? Because right. some of it's a level of creativity and a lot of us wouldn't know what would be acceptable and what would be acceptable. Am, am mm -hmm. I being disingenuous? Am I being a, uh, what's right. his name? George Santos right now, or is what I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to throw that in, <laughs> but, uh, or, or is what I'm doing still with the bounds of ethical, as long as I annotate it correctly and right. blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. 
Another component of the that resume process that always caused me a little bit of confusion is is the format. You know, <laughs> now I've seen some as a hiring manager. I have I know I have my own preference, and I'll say that after you tell us as the expert what's the best way. But I've seen some that are beautiful. You know, they do all these different colors and the little mm-hmm. block designs. And but again, is that a good resume format? So I'm gonna tell you, I'm the kind of person when I read something, I want it to be, I don't want a lot of extra noise on it. So mm-hmm. as a, an employer, if I get one, I want it to look like a just bullet pointed, you know, job, what you did, job, what you did, mm-hmm. education, that kind of stuff. I don't want a lot of fluff. But again, I know I'm a little peculiar with other things, so I could be off on that. So what what is your recommendation on that? agree with you. Like you said, it's just a lot of noise in most cases and it's noise to a person. So imagine how much noise it's going to be to like a parsing tool, like when you're uploading it online and it's kind of boiling you down and putting you into a system that's comparing you against other people. If a human being is having a hard time reading a resume, imagine how much of a hard time like a program is going to have, right? So it's really important to use very simple black and white like single column, very traditional looking thing. Because first, it's easy for the program to read. And second, it's easy for the human being to read. And third, it doesn't get someone's guard up. Like if, if someone has like a really funky, like, they have like kind of all their skills, like what's called like a functional resume, they have all their skills, and they have like all of their achievements, and then they don't even have their employment history. I'm immediately thinking like, what are you trying to hide? right? Like what, what is, what's up with this creativity? (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Because I'm skeptical and like, that's not nice, but that's what's happening. And like, I might find other things to justify that, like you said, but at the end of the day, it is my bias. You did not write this in a way that I'm expecting. Therefore you have something to hide. That, That That's a great way to put it. And I don't think I ever really thought of it that way, but I would bet you anything that is also a big part of what it bothers me about it because yeah. I feel like you're overcompensating, right? Yeah, I feel definitely. like if you got to get that creative, then it, it just makes me feel like, again, I say it again, it feels like you're overcompensating. If definitely. you've got a good solid resume that has been put together with a lot of thought and for a lot of people, hopefully with a professional like yourself, mm-hmm. I don't think you need to have that overcompensation with all the beautiful creativity because yeah. I don't really want to see your personality and that at that point, right? As an right. And, and you hit on something else in your explanation with that, that I, I want to add in here, uh, ask you about is, and this is, has been confusing to me. And I know why it's probably more confusing to me than someone that would be my age and positions that I've been in. Because as I said earlier, and as our listeners know, I spent a lot of my career in the government system in a government resume is you basically got to put down every single thing you mm-hmm. did for a job, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, though, if you if your government resume, especially if you're applying for something like a management or leadership position, if it ain't six or seven pages long, then there's a good chance you're not going to make the list. But right. as I know, I've also worked on the outside and hired people on the outside. Of course, you don't want that. But I still always wonder what calculation, and I know it's qualitative, but what calculation in your head do you use to say, 
how long should my description, what should I put for my description of each job, right? Because it's like, nowadays on Indeed, just to cover everything, you see a lot of these jobs. And I, I went in, I haven't been on there a long time. Uh, I don't need a job. But I went in there preparing for our interview. Mm-hmm. And, and some of them, the requirements of what they want you to do and be skilled at, Mm -hmm. themselves are like two pages long. So how do you know, how do you figure out what you put in your resume and what you don't put in your resume? And I'm specifically talking now here about your past experience, your past jobs. Yeah. You don't want to go more than two pages in the public uh, in the private sector. So if you have quite a bit of experience, sometimes that does mean removing some of your older jobs if they're not adding anything to your story. Like I, there was this um, director of construction that we were working with and, you know, he got his start in the seventies and his resume went back and talked about how he was like a foreman. And I'm like, bro, you're a construction director. Like you, no, no, he wasn't even a director. Sorry. He was a vice president of construction. So this guy's managing multi-billion dollar projects. His salary is like almost half a million dollars. You know, so like nobody cares that you were a foreman. You know what I mean? Like if anything, like if you want to convey like, yeah, I know how to be like hands on, like I've got my start in the space. I know how to speak to people who are working on the projects with their hands. You can just add that in the very like just previous history includes being a foreman, being a construction manager, just like one line, having your entire history to just kind of show your pedigree. But talking about like, yeah, as a foreman, this is what I was doing. And then his resume was like nine pages long. So that's not even even as a hiring professional, I'm going to ask you, like in the government sector, if you are hiring a vice presidential candidate, yeah, they're going to have a long resume where they're detailing everything. You're not going to read the details of what they did this foreman. Yeah, you're just going to skim through. You're going to say, okay, this was the job title. So in the in the uh, private sector, you just have to speak to that like the the system that's processing your application and that is kind of cataloging everything and documenting everything it's going to need to know that history but the person on the other side is not right so just ju- the ju- job title is enough sometimes you can even get away with removing that like if you were putting yourself through college by working as a cash register associate associate at Kohl's you know that's going to be confusing to me if I'm seeing that and now I'm seeing you're applying for a marketing associate role. You know, like I'm going to be like, how do you, how do I connect those dots? It's better to just remove that. You can perhaps, if you're a new, you know, new graduate and you you want to show like, look, I'm really hardworking. Uh, I put myself through school. You can say something like right under your education. You can also say like worked full time while in college, worked 40 hours a week while, while also going school full-time, you know, something like that, that shows me that because I would actually spark curiosity as opposed to being like, I took orders. I help people try on clothes. You know what I mean? So that's, that's too much information. And that makes sense to me. And I, of course I had understood the two page, uh, the general two page rule, Mm -hmm. but also what I'm getting at also is okay. Like someone like me, right. I, yeah. I, I sort of use, and you tell me if I'm wrong, I use don't go more than 10 years back unless it's absolutely necessary. Uh, I, I'll be honest. I also had learned to do that sort of for an age thing too, uh, mm-hmm. not to date myself. I stopped, and you can correct me on anything that I've been doing that that really is not advisable, but I stopped putting dates on my college degrees. Mm-hmm. I had several college degrees. I stopped putting dates on a lot of stuff because yeah. it is real. <laughs> age discrimination yeah, yeah. is real. And, and But 
So even doing that, let's mm-hmm. say I still have like five or six jobs that I would want on the resume because mm-hmm. they were, they were high level jobs and they also speak to different aspects. Mm-hmm. So within each job, how do you determine how much to put in or what put in or what not to put in? And I know, yeah, you go by the announcement to a degree, but again, mm-hmm. like I said, some of these announcements are long as heck. And if you try to check off every single thing mm-hmm. that they say they want you to be good at, mm-hmm. someone like me that does have a level of experience, my re- resume would get uh, mm-hmm. o- over two pages. So you have a little, any advice on that? And I know it's co- something complicated to try to talk about in a podcast yeah. episode, but just a general idea if, if you have it. Yeah, I would definitely have to take a look at that job description and see where there, there are points of like overlap, like where like, let's say two, two lines are kind of saying something similar and then we can kind of boil it down to one requirement. Ooh, one interesting little technology trick you can try is if you like copy and paste the job description into chat GPT and be like, Hey, chat GPT, what are like, tell me the top 20 things that are, that are critical in this job description that I have to speak to. It'll tell you, or give me like all of the keywords in this that I have to have on my resume. It'll tell you. And I even like to ask it if you're writing your resume uh, and you don't know where to start. So put in that job description and say, hey, ChatGPT, can you ask me some questions related to this job position so that I can use that to write my resume? It'll do that for you. It'll ask you questions that you hadn't even thought of. And you'd be like, thank you, ChatGPT. That was a really phenomenal question. And then ChatGPT will save you. It will not hurt you when the robots take over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you added that at the end. That is, that is really good. And that is a great idea. I was I turned away from you for a little bit because I wrote a note down to try that with ChatGPT uh, yeah. because, uh, of course, I've been hearing a lot about it. And I've been – this gives me a specific thing to go do with it. That That's really uh, – yeah. I like that. I've been experimenting a lot with ChatGPT. So we've used it to write resumes, cover letters, LinkedIn, not like for our clients, but we've tested it to see what points it breaks, right? Because we want to talk about what its failings are. So when people go and use it themselves, then they know, okay, these are some of the things that we can avoid. We have still found that because we have more experiences faster for us to just write the resume, like we're not outsourcing anything to yeah. chat GPT. But even if you're doing interview prep, you can ask it, hey, I'm applying for like a marketing director role. What are some of the questions I should prepare for? And it'll tell you, you can even dump the job description in there and it'll it'll tell you based on that. Uh, we are also working on getting chat GPT to tell you which career path you should pursue, which I think is going to be really interesting for a lot of younger professionals where you tell it your interests and your strengths. And we're trying to like experiment with it to see like, again, what it's points of failures are. So people know what to avoid and we'll be publishing, we'll be publishing a blog on that soon. We're still working on it. Oh, yeah, ChatGPT is really interesting, and I am very polite to it, and I don't mean to be. I just feel like I don't know, like when, like I've been experimenting with it and showing some of my colleagues, and they're like, "Why are you using like please and thank you? Like it's just, it's just a robot." And I'm like, I don't know. It seems like the right thing to do. <laughs> I like that because I need to remember that when the robots take over, because I've been downright rude to Siri a few times, man. Like, <laughs> shut up, Siri. Nobody called you. You're right. I need to I need to rethink that a little bit, right? But uh I am I have been curious about Chat GPT. Now the, the knock I've heard about Chat GPT at this stage mm-hmm. is that it can definitely get some facts wrong, 
right? Yes, definitely. Yeah, that it, and that actually is not is actually not uncommon. I, I don't want to go as not far as to all. say common, yeah. but I've heard that if you're you're doing something just semi complex, you can almost bet it's going to get a couple. It's going to get some. Yeah, traction. and I can give you some examples from our little experiment, like with what I just said about like, if you have an employment gap, like don't talk about it too much in detail. It gave me the exact opposite advice. I told ChatGPT, hey, ChatGPT, I had to take two years off because I had a manic depressive episode. How do I talk about this in a way that doesn't raise red flags? And it was like, explain with, you know, with a story in your cover letter. And I was like, no, sorry, ChatGPT, but you're wrong. That is not what you're supposed to do. And then it was like, there was like a bunch of other things where I really didn't like what it was doing. And I really didn't like what it was doing for interview prep. I think it does a phenomenal job telling you what questions to prepare. But when you tell it, hey, could you write me an answer for this or something? I I think what it doesn't understand is that an interview isn't just about each individual answer. Like it's about the holistic presence. Like if every answer is about like, you know, hey, this one time I did this email marketing and it went well. And like, that's all you're talking about. Then the people who are on the other side of the table are going to say, this guy doesn't know anything except for this one thing. Or this guy doesn't know how to, you know, work with, like, it doesn't, ChatGPT doesn't teach you how to write or speak to the different cultural values that companies have. Like how you talk about your ability to manage a team when you're interviewing with a really large company like let's say Amazon versus I know how to manage a team with a small business. Like those two stories are totally different. When you're interviewing with a small business, you want to talk about like, I can work with small budgets. I know how to start processes from the ground up. I know how to set up hiring processes. These are some of the things you want to focus on versus with Amazon. Some of the things you maybe want to focus on is I can take demoralized teams and I can uplift them. I can take underproductive teams and I can make them more productive. These are two very different headaches that two very different kinds of businesses are going to have. And I have not found chat GPT being able to kind of nuance between the two. And I think these are the things that get you hired or not hired. It's not so much about the technical skill as much as it is being able to speak to the exact headaches that they're experiencing. And I think it's a good point. And I think what you're hitting on here, one of my degrees, I was a humanities major. And Mm -hmm. one of the things they talk about uh, in one of my courses came up is one of the things that is often not mentioned enough about what separates humans from people and now, or I'm sorry, humans from the other animals and from now from technology is our ability to learn uh, the importance of context We're we're really good, you know, compared to everything else out there at understanding context. So, mm-hmm. you know, speaking different with Fatima where I'm here on the internet. And then when I walk over to my wife, I just automatically transition right. to, well, right. I'm pretty not good at context. I seem to be myself everywhere, <laughs> but for the most part, we're good. And I want, and I, it is one of the knocks I've heard on recent AI, not specifically what, what, but AI where it's at now, it's not good in distinguishing context. Yes. Which, what you were just explaining there. Yes. It's, yes, Exactly. I mean, to to what to your point about being yourself, I would like to speak to that a little bit as well because I think we're we have so much pressure with the job search. Like, okay, I have to be this way. I have to make sure I'm putting my best foot forward. Like, please don't be someone you're not, because then you're going to be 
expected to be that way. And this can have tremendously negative implications. And I'll give you an example from my own personal life. Post 9-11, I remember my mom was looking for a job and my mom is a very conservative Muslim lady who covers her hair. And she went in for a job interview and she she kept getting rejected. And then her and my dad, her husband, (laughs) they had a conversation (laughs) and they were like, yeah, maybe you just wear jeans and you don't cover your hair. Like, it's not going to feel good. And like, but just we needed we need you to be making money. So let's figure it out. And she did that. And I remember like she came home and she was crying and she felt so dirty and she felt like so naked. And I was like, you don't have to do that because because you're going to have to keep being that person like without a garment that is central to your identity. And how are you going to like live with yourself if you're just crying after one day, you know? And there are more extreme examples of that. I had this client who he he presented as like very flamboyantly gay right like what the way he talked everything about him he 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 came across as very gay but he was in the construction space and he was like i go in and they they hear me talking and i can tell they're bigots like they don't want to work with me and i'm like well your resume shows you're so exceptional why don't we throw in there that you volunteer with the pride parade you know to show that like look i'm gay like, why do you even want to waste your time in an interview with oh, someone yeah. who is going to, like, look at you like that? That's not nice. I don't want to waste your time. You're too exceptional for that. So he did that. And then he was getting callbacks from people who wanted to hire people who are from specific backgrounds. And, you know, they wanted to have that diversity and that nuance in their in their workplace. So. That's what you should do. You should be yourself. Yeah, you should present your best foot forward. But that doesn't mean changing your appearance. It doesn't mean changing your the way you talk or the way you carry yourself. So I, I, I love that because it's 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 the exact same version I would tell the leaders. Is it's like instead of however we are, our authentic self, however we are. There's pluses with that and minuses, right? And usually the plus and minuses come from the same traits, right? I'm a passionate person. I'm an emotional person. There's a that lot can of good make that you come- overbearing as well, right? Yeah, yeah no, yes. I get it. There's it's good stuff. I can be very empathic. Uh, yeah. I, and when I believe in something, I've been told many, many times, I can really influence and inspire people. But yes, you're right. Sometimes my emotions get the better of me. <laughs> uh, so, but what I have said to leaders is... You've got to learn to lean into who you are. And it mm-hmm. sounds like that's exactly what you're telling yeah. these these uh, job searchers is instead of running from what you say, put it put it on there that I volunteered to pride. So yeah. you're leaning in heavily. So then people who are two, th- I think two things from a leadership perspective happen when you're very honest about who you are. And that's what I've always done is when I take over something, I try to tell people you know, what I'm about. And and I'll, I'll open with things like, look, I'm very animated. I'm, I'm, I'm a six foot four, tall, loud, white guy. Right. So I know there's certain, some ways I come off. If, if I was looking out at myself, it would look like I'm being, trying to be intimidating or like I'm angry. So oh, early, no. well, you know, I, I don't want to make it more than it is, but I mean, you're talking with me. You can see me here. I'm an animated person. Look, the hands are going all over the place. You can imagine when I'm excited about something. And I was in, 
I was in management level position. So there was, I was constantly either excited or whatever mm-hmm. about something. But I found if you lean into that and tell people like, look, I'm animated. I talk loud sometimes. I'm honestly not trying to be disrespectful. I'm not making excuses for myself. So if you ever feel it's something that you felt cross the line, please, pr- please approach me. But mm-hmm. m- 99% of the time, it's just me expressing myself. And this is how mm-hmm. I express myself. And what I have found it, once you do that, people go, oh, okay. That's just how he is. He's mm-hmm. it, Once they realize it's not direct and personal with them, and I think it's this sort of similar. I didn't, sorry for going off on such a tirade. I probably, no, no, it makes uh, sense. It's, uh, it's so important to be authentic, right? Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I'm just incapable of not being authentic. I've tried it a few times and mm-hmm. it just ends up blowing up in my face. So, yeah, you don't perform as well. You're not going to yeah. perform as well in the interview or, you know, on whatever, like the first few days. And it's, you're going to burn out. It's not, it, it's, it just doesn't align with who you are, like spiritually, you know? Yeah. Now, how did that end up for your mom? What did she end up doing? I, I'm sorry. I just she got no story. She found a job in uh, in an Islamic school. So it was like well, other people that were looking for people like her. And like, that's sometimes what you have to do is where are you going to go where you're going to be celebrated, right? Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah. So That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and I mean, we're in America. Sorry. There's so many different kinds of people. Right, You can right. find your tribe. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I was about to say that is find your people, find your mm-hmm. tribe. You know, I, I as I'm, I listen to a lot of podcasts, I read a lot of books, and I, you're right. I'm seeing that more and more. A common thing is don't try to fit in everywhere. Find your people, find your tribe. And, mm-hmm. and when I was growing up, uh, you know, I'm Generation X, so you're what? You're mid-millennial right uh, yeah. uh, okay so i'm generation <laughs> x that was that wasn't a thing right it wasn't you know yeah. and i rachel she's millennial she's i think she's like 29 or something she said it on the podcast so she don't mind me saying it but she some of these things i have to tell her like you, what you take is like an obvious thing or like oh well, just go find your people that wasn't that wasn't celebrated in my time that wasn't even considered really an option and also part of that is because it was a lot harder to find your people because you didn't have a connected world like we have now you know i was already in my 20s before i was checking emails you know uh before email became a thing but again sorry for going off on that but that part really really interests me and i'm glad we did get off on that about because so I, i really love that you focused on look don't try to get a job that's hiring you under a pretense of you're being something that you're not because it's not going to work out for you in the long run and 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 you put it i think you nailed it in today's world and 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 as many different tribes and opportunities and how connected we can be if you lean into who you are i think like you said you can find where you belong or where you're going to be best like you said celebrated yeah, and there's nothing like there's nothing like cowardly about it. However, I mean if you do want to have a job that, you know, is at the executive level, you do have to figure out ways to come across as likable to very very different kinds of people. And you do have to be able to lead very different kinds of people. So if that's a skill that you need to polish that's something you'll you'll have to work on. What I'm saying now, it's more applicable to people who are managers and under, right? Beyond that, you have to, no, I mean, 
I think with things like religion and sexual orientation, you know, things that you can't change, you will find someone who who celebrates who you are, even if you're a senior executive. But there are some things about like, I'm just a naturally very honest person. So I tell everybody like what it is, it might be coming across as abrasive. So this is something that you have to adjust and figure out how to lead responsibly and in a way that makes people trust you so that they're doing their best. You know, I think that's a different, different story for sure. For sure. And that goes into what I do in the leadership development. And it goes back to what we were saying. Once you get at those levels, you do have to learn to think differently. Mm -hmm. And you do have to realize what worked for you as an individual performer. And when you were just one of the gang is yeah. not going to be acceptable when you're in a leadership position. And, and I'm again, glad you mentioned that because that's what I've sort of naturally been this way. So the transition was relatively easy for me that way. First of all, I'm just, it's nothing I consciously set out to do. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm from a small town in Paducah, Kentucky. I, I didn't grow up in a metropolitan area where it was celebrated for diversity. Just mm -hmm. my brain likes different stuff. And mm -hmm. I'm always interested in different people, different views and understanding why they think they do. So I've always read about it. And that's one of the things I've always taught people going into leadership positions. This day of you living in on your own tribe and, and living in your own silo where everything echoes back to you mm -hmm. in today's world, you've got to get outside of that silo if you already have it. And does it mean you have to agree with everything right. about other people, but you've got to understand where it's coming from and understand at a basic level why they right. believe that Absolutely. way or that way. Uh, 100%. You're great. You're you're really great. This is great because you're we're getting off on other stuff, and I'm I'm sorry if that bothers you a little, but it's no. great. You're really you've been bringing up some good <laughs> topics here. But let's get back a little bit to some of the stuff uh, that we were talking. Now I'm going to shift gears a little bit, mm -hmm. and we're going to get into LinkedIn, which mm -hmm. I just had uh, to set up myself. And you're mm -hmm. more than free to go scour through my LinkedIn and, and critique it. Yeah, let's it. do that. Let's actually open it up and oh no <laughs> oh no you're going way too off script now Padma. no let's do it i have it do you want to do it Are yeah it'll be a good example for your okay. listeners <laughs> oh geez <laughs> well i have final edit control so no i'm just joking <laughs> let's uh go in there it's uh stuart chapel uh do you I need much you. more okay you got me in pensacola florida yeah, I just moved here five weeks oh, ago. Okay. I lived in uh, just outside of Seattle for okay. the last uh, almost couple decades and just moved here uh, to Pensacola. But yeah, there it is, you know? So, you know, other than the I, ugly I like picture, it. what do you think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think it looks good because it's clearly focused on like what you're doing. Because I think what a lot of people do is you have such a rich and broad experience that sometimes like when people have such an experience, like it doesn't make sense what their story is or what action they want people landing on their profile to take or to even think, you know, but as soon as they click this, it says, you know, Donald Stewart Chapel is a retired army, et cetera, et cetera. And then it says like leadership coaching. So then when I read everything, even about your military experience, I know it's 
it's supporting that brand, right? So that's that's really important. So no, I, I don't hate your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just set it up today. I actually had had one for a while, but I just went in and really tailored it today. Eighty uh, percent of what you see on here is from today, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, so because uh, thinking about our interviews, said I got to stop putting this off. Let me get my LinkedIn set up, and because uh, I'm working in tandem with a coach from mm-hmm. another agency. And he's like, man, dude, you got to get your LinkedIn. Set up. I'm mm-hmm. like, I know, I know. But uh, anything else on it? I, I went in there and I included, I included my education. I, I did the about, uh, you know, previous, I just put little, little quick descriptors of, of what I did in each job. I didn't go crazy on that. I didn't feel a real need for that because I am personally not looking for someone to hire me. So I'm not too worried for right. that. I'm looking for them to hire my services as a, as a coach. So all that other peripheral stuff, I didn't feel the need to, you know, muddy up the page with it, you know? Yeah. I think you have to be very intentional with LinkedIn. Like if you're going to use it to say like find clients or to find new business or to find a new job, like your messaging has to be very tight. But if you're like, this is just a placeholder until that happens, then just make sure it's updated. So you don't forget that. That's the other problem that I think a lot of people have is like, they'll be like, gosh, what you're asking me, like that happened five years ago. I don't even know what I did on that project. If you periodically keep updating your LinkedIn profile, at least you'll have a record so that when you go back to update everything, it's kind of all in one place. And all you have to do is kind of tighten things down. If I was to make suggestions, I would say you're about like that first couple of lines. It's telling me information that I can already find in your LinkedIn profile because it's primarily focusing on your job titles. Instead, if it focused on what someone can experience after working with you as a leadership coach, like something like I help highly creative leaders find more time to innovate or, you know, something that what you help people achieve, if it kind of started with that, then it would help like the rest of the profile would support that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I I actually like that suggestion because I wasn't, I essentially, I took, my description on my coaching page and copied it here and I wasn't crazy about it in either spot. So yeah, I am going to adjust that. And I, I see exactly what you're talking about uh, that. I need to focus it more on what I can do as a leadership coach. What are you going to get from me? If you enlist my services, right? Right. So like, if we take a look at my, about the first line is, are you tired of throwing your resume into a black hole? Right. So that's very like, okay, someone either is tired of that and they're going to contact me or they're not and I'm not a good fit for them. So similarly, like, I mean, this is very salesy language compared to what you would have in a professional profile. In a professional profile, it could be like, let's say you are... um, I don't know, you're a developer. You You can say something like, I... I ensure that the you know that the libraries that we're developing are easily re- uh referenceable you know you focus on like the wins that you help your teammates achieve that you help your bosses achieve right oh i like yours i'm looking at it i love that you put cuz i have testimonials on my coaching page mm-hmm. but i didn't really see a good where i thought would be a good place to put it on here but i like the way you did it this is nice i like that that's uh yeah yeah i yeah okay yeah i'm going to be 
using yours Copying. as a template. Go yeah, for it. yeah. <laughs> no. But if no. you're if you're a job seeker, don't copy my profile because then it wouldn't really make sense. My profile yeah, right? is all about like services. As a job seeker, if you want to copy a profile, I have one example that you can grab on my samples page. So feel free to use that. Uh or just, you know, let's have a conversation and work on your profile together. Cool. That thank you. That was much better than the question I was going to ask you. <laughs> so uh-huh. <laughs> that was a lot more beneficial. We're towards the uh, end of my specific questions, Fanamal. But before we do wrap it up, I would like you to, if anything that you could tell our listeners on any topic uh, mm-hmm. that you think would add value to them going forward. Yeah, I. You know, there's a lot of information online that's conflicting and overwhelming, and you might be having a hard time kind of navigating through all of that. So if you want like a quick two-page guide on what your resume needs to look like, you can hop onto my website, careertuners.com slash podcasts, and grab what I like to call my salary doubling resume cheat sheet, because this was based on a resume that someone used, and they doubled the offer that they were initially extended uh, in line with what their goals are. So like a good resume isn't just there to get you an interview. I know that's what a lot of people say that, hey, just get into the interview and that's it. No, a good resume helps make a really strong first impression. So your interview is less like, why do you have this gap? Why don't you have the skill? And more like, what is it? What are some of the things that you can do for us? And you can have more of a chance to show off. And like I said, it helps bump up your pay too, because if a resume clearly shows that you bring in ROI, it's much easier to ask for something that's 25% higher than what's advertised on the website. Well, Fatima, thank you. Time has flown and we actually got through all my questions and no matter how determined I was to take us off course, uh, <laughs> we stay, we, we got through what we want to get through. I thank you. That was, this was real fun. Actually, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, it turned out it to be a lot. lot of fun. And I don't say that every time, but this was a lot of fun, <laughs> but again, thank you. And I know, like I've said a hundred times already during this episode, I've gotten a lot from you. I know our listeners have, and speaking of our listeners, listeners, as always, the various links to Fatima and her company career tuners are available in this episode's show notes. But again, thank you, Fatima. Like I said, a lot of fun. And we're already looking forward to our next set down with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And everyone else. See you next time. Hello, everyone. This is Rachel. After some nudging by several of us who he has mentored and coached throughout the years, beginning in March 2023, my co-host Stuart is resuming his leadership coaching consultations via virtual video sessions. What this means is that you now have the opportunity to benefit from the same knowledge and experience that has made such an impact on many managers and leaders throughout the years, including myself. I cannot overstate how influential Stuart's coaching and mentorship has been for me as a leader And perhaps the most significant element he brings to his consultations is his ability to get you to think through the process of managing and leading so that instead of focusing on isolated problems and occurrences, you learn how to think and act as a leader all of the time. So if you think you could benefit from Stewart's coaching, and I think that virtually any leader can, contact him via the email address in the description section of this episode. But don't put it off because his calendar is already filling up. I promise you, you will not regret it.